0: farmer friday and ag phd radio thanks for joining us today i'm darren hefty broadcasting from the morton studio on farmer fridays we take your feedback and your questions all throughout the show i've got a pile of email questions here radio at AgPHD.com is our email address and I got one that really brought me back to the 1990s and I I think it's neat when you get a question and you're like, "Oh man, haven't heard that one in a while and I remember this used to be a really big question." So just to, for a little background, my brother Brian and I grew up on a, a corn and soybean, alfalfa, wheat, oat, cow-calf, farrow-to-finish farm. And so we had a lot of manure all the time that we were spreading out in these fields. We had a bunch of different crops Dad was rotating through. Now, primarily, he was raising corn and soybeans, but, but he also had uh, some other crops that were in the mix, too. And one weed that became a real concern for him was eastern black nightshade. That one was bad. And I I got a question today. This one is from Jeff and actually in Nebraska. He said, we've got some black nightshade that's shown up in our conventional beans over the years. And we've had challenges with that. We're expecting to see some again this year because we're going back into fields that historically have had a problem. What can we do to stop it? Jeff, it's a great question, and so we had this, so that's why I started with my background story here. Brian and I had this as a primary weed, and and we would go out, and our sister Janelle got involved in this too. We would be walking bean fields, and eventually uh, we had a bean rider, so we'd ride through the field and squirt Roundup on... On weeds that pop up out in the bean fields, so black nightshade was one. I remember the year that Dad said, "Hey, there's a new weed out there, guys. You need to keep an eye on." I'm hearing from other farmers in the area that black nightshade's getting started, and it's a really bad one for seed production. And Dad was raising seed beans, and so we thought, "Okay, well, it must be a big yield robber, or whatever." Well, then we see the weed, and it's no big deal. It's like, "Oh, that's not a big nasty weed." And dad said, no, no, it's not that it's this big, nasty weed that's going to choke everything out. It's that it puts on berries that are about the same size as a soybean. And when they burst, they spread their seeds, they stick onto the other other beans that that are getting combined at the same time. And they can actually, if there's enough of them in a patch, for example, plug up a combine. It was a bad, bad deal. You couldn't have any of them. So the first time that we saw some black nightshade and we we had some emerge late in the season, it was walk ahead of the combine and make sure if there's any black nightshade plants out there, we're putting them in a garbage bag and getting them out of the field. It was that big a deal. Until we found the solution. So with black nightshade and conventional soybeans, the, the real solution was pursuit or raptor. Those products are fantastic on Black Nightshade. Even we we did a bunch of different things. There used to be a product called Pursuit Plus that we would use that was a prowl and pursuit premix. And if we put Pursuit Plus down, there was enough pursuit in that soil-applied application that would have enough residual to keep black nightshade out. We figured out that too much pursuit could lead to carryover on our farm into corn the next year and that we had to be really cautious. We didn't want to overdo it, especially when we had a dry year. So what we, we did is experiment with a lot of different rates, and, and this is all towards Jeff in Nebraska's question here, conventional soybeans, black nightshade control. If we were putting out at least a half rate or or a two-thirds rate of pursuit down on the soil, we did a pretty good job. And if we came back post-emerge, we really liked putting out pursuit and then mixing in Flexstar. Uh, at that time, it was a lot of Cobra and Ultra Blazer, but I think Flexstar is even a little bit better on black nightshade. So, if you're doing a pre-emerge treatment, uh, you can use something that's going to have Pursuit in there. We would recommend not exceeding 3 ounces of Pursuit in the pre-emerge just for fear of carryover. Or if you go post-emerge, you could use 4 ounces of Pursuit or Raptor. Mix that with 12 ounces of Flexstar if that works in your rotation. It does a really nice job. So yeah, there's there's a lot of challenging weeds and conventional beans. We would always recommend starting with our three program. So if you're going to use some pursuit in the pre, that's fine, but we still want to see an Authority or Valor in there. We still want to see a Prowl or a Trifluralin, and we would love to see some Metribuzin in there, which will also help on the Black Nightshade, by the way. So start with the three pre's. If you want to add some pursuit in at that point, you sure can, or, or get a a product like Authority Assist, for example, that would have some of that active ingredient from Pursuit in there. Then you can come back over the top uh, with Flexstar to clean up if you've got your full load of Pursuit up front. You can't do it twice. So it's kind of like the HBBDs that we talk about now in corn. You can do them once, you can do them pre, or you can do them post. Just don't do both or you're going to see some carryover out there. But if you do that, Jeff, you're going to have pretty good luck controlling black nightshade in your conventional beans. All right, so uh, I, I kind of got me thinking. On a Farmer Friday here, taking taking your questions all throughout the show, got me thinking back to uh, when we were growing up and we were talking about the bean walking days. The other thing that we were always struggling with was getting great grass control in our corn. And now we've got conventional corn out there, again, not on our farm, but, but a lot of farmers around us raising conventional corn. And it's probably – eight to ten percent of the acres out there. So it's not like it's it's you know the whole corn belt or anything like that, but there's just a good number of guys that are back to conventional corn. In those fields, it's put a full rate of those grass control group 15s. So a full rate of a harness, surpass, outlook, dual, zidua up front and that's your best bet on controlling a lot of the grasses but starting to get some of those questions again about woolly cup grass had a few of those come in already this year and that's the reason that a lot of guys in our area so quickly went to Roundup ready corn we could control the broadleaf weeds just fine in conventional corn it was the tough grasses like woolly cup that popped up later it's a warm season grass kind of like field sandbar a warm season grass that pops up later and those pre's just don't do a great job so you've got to get out there when it's like one inch tall and spray something like accent q to take out a problem grass and conventional corn so yeah a lot of challenges when you you get out of the roundup ready system it is farmer friday on our show today and we're broadcasting from the morton studio we'll dive back into the ag phd mailbag and talk to a few callers coming up right after this Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com.
1: Weed control without the BS. That's more time to apply without wasting time. That's flexible tank mixing that doesn't bend the truth. That's near zero volatility with unmovable principles. With the Enlist weed control system, there is no sacrificing. Get better weed control with no ifs, ands, or buts at Enlist.com. Enlist.com.
0: back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We'd love to tackle your agronomic questions. You can email us radio at agphd.com. Got Kevin on with us right now from Western Illinois. Kevin, how's it going?
4: Yeah, good day, Darren. How are you doing?
0: Doing pretty well. We've got a lot of good things happening, like a half an inch of rain. Can you believe it? We're excited about a half inch of rain here, Kevin. It's it's been that dry, but but we got it. We got that little shot of rain, and it's enough to perk everything up at least for a little while. How about you?
4: Well, we're kind of we're kind of the other way around here. Where we're at, you know, we started out gangbusters this spring there in uh, March and April, and uh, April was really conducive to get. Things done, real conducive, and then May has just went the trash on us. Uh, we've been just unusually cold and unusually cloudy, unusually damp and completely saturated with not without being ponded. <laughs> cloudy wow. combination
0: yeah yeah you know the cloudy part is one that I wish more people would talk about because when we've got lots of sunlight out there even if it's cool it seems like things still do pretty well but when it's cold and it's cloudy to me that just feels like disease is going to set in I'm always concerned about that when we get cold and cloudy and we're just not catching any sunlight out there so that's not good for our plants either
4: you're right. And, and what little, uh, you know, like here today, normally we would be 80 degrees here right now. It's about 49 degrees, the wind blowing out of the North and it's, and it's just, you know, a mist and you can see everything is just going backwards here. You know, uh, I've got soybeans that I planted back on the, uh, sixth day of April that are only three inches tall. Wow. And, uh, you know, it's just simply no sun been cool. And, uh, you know, they've looked good, but they just can't grow. And then uh, then you then you put into the equation, whenever you do get a little bit of sunshine for a couple, three days, and the wind blows 30 mile an hour, you know, all the commercial sprayers are way behind. The people are trying to side dress corn and trying to spray, and they're all, you know, this is all behind because the conditions have just not been conducive. It's just been a unusual
0: year <laughs> yeah yeah no no kidding i was on a another radio show earlier today and I, they asked me the question they're like why are we seeing all these weeds out in cornfields we haven't hardly had any moisture we haven't had any decent growing degrees out there but but we got weeds coming and you know the weeds don't know any better but to just keep keep coming to keep us busy out in some of these cornfields i understand you had a, a weed question or a herbicide question on your corn
4: uh no, I actually, sometime I want to discuss, I've got a, you know, a question about, uh, oh, uh, ear fungus or ear, ear, no. ear blight or, uh, you know, but I don't want to take time today because you got other things to do, you know, but, uh, uh, ear smut is what I was trying to say. What, you know, I've seen to run into quite a bit, quite a bit of that, uh, I'm a high producing and I've read where there's nitrogen has a tendency to kind of help promote that, and yep, yep. But that's for another time. I don't want to hold up the day. You know,
0: you know, Kevin. Though it's interesting that you bring that up because uh, earlier this week we had. Uh, a representative of FMC on our show, and they've got Zyway fungicide that they're promoting, putting out at planting time. And we've done a little bit of that on our farm last year. We're doing a little bit more this year, so we'll, we'll see if we learn anything. We ended up with a, a dry late summer last year. We didn't have any d- disease pressure to really test it. But here we go. We're cold, and uh, now we've got a little bit of moisture. Maybe, maybe we'll see something this year. But, uh, but one of the comments that they had made is that they've seen a reduction in smut, when they've got that Zyway fungicide out there. And so I, I'm really curious about that just to, to learn a little bit more to see, you know, a lot of times a smut, it takes an injury of some sort, whether it's from wind or hail or something like that to, to really get it going. And there seems to be differences between hybrids as well. But if we could put a fungicide on at planting time and protect against a lot of that potential for smut later down the road, that would be really a good deal.
4: Yeah, 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 and like I said, I am high management here, but I haven't done any infertil fungicide. Uh, But it was kind of thrown out some investigation, you know, about, you know, maybe a little too high nitrogen rates and the timing on it, you know, when you're coming back uh, through pivots, you know, with fertility that could kind of help promote that too. It's just a question here that that hasn't been resolved yet.
0: Yep. Yep. But, uh, well, if it if it's all high nitrogen, Kevin, my brother would be all in on that <laughs> because he's. I always tease him. I said he's he's a, a nitrogen addict, and uh, and he laughs at me. And some people would say, listen to our show, that he might be a potassium addict too. But uh, definitely a nitrogen addict. He he for sure doesn't want to run short on that ever. Well, Kevin. Well, good...
4: and on that. On that potassium, i got to agree, you know, you can have loads and loads of potassium out here, you know, and and and, and uh, still show signs of it, you know, later in the season where it's cannibalizing itself to lower into of those plants, you know. And uh, I've had a grandma say, well, you know, it's just pulling out of that plant to feed the rest of it. But if you're pulling out of the plant, it's kind of like poison out. If you got the lower part of your body, your upper part's uncomfortable too, so. <laughs>
0: yep, yep. Well, Kevin, I really appreciate talking to you. Hopefully you guys catch some sunshine here coming up. I know we got this cold spell coming through and uh, hopefully on the other side things get a lot better.
4: Yep, you all have a good season. You bet and I look forward to hoping to get up to your to your uh, field days this year.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well this is the year to come, Kevin. It's gonna be fantastic. We're we're more excited about this one than anyone that we've had so far.
4: Okay. Hey, y'all have a good day, and thank you.
0: You bet. Thanks, Kevin. Let's head down to Georgia then. Maybe we got more sunshine down there. We got Tom on with us right now. Tom, how are you doing?
5: All right. How about y'all today?
0: Pretty good. Are you guys catching adequate moisture where you're at in Georgia?
5: No, we're we're dry. We're dry. We're, we we I looked on the books a while ago, and quite frankly, we haven't had significant rainfall since April 25th. We did have a little small shower may 5th but we're we're extremely dry so the pivots are all running as hard and as fast as they can go and to, to water what we have going on the planting um, most folks are at least 75 to to 85 percent complete on peanuts and about the same percentage on cotton um, there's most folks started this week dusting in cotton or either sitting back and doing nothing at this point in time or uh, waiting on some cooler temperatures. We've had a week of 95 plus degree temperatures and the moisture and, and the wind's been blowing, so we've lost what moisture we have at this point in time.
0: Yeah, I was just looking at your area, Tom, yesterday for the for the weather and I thought, my goodness, you guys are getting the heat and, and it seems like everybody I've talked to from Georgia has said it's been dry and you just don't have the soils to be able to tolerate that very long.
5: No, no, we're we're two weeks away from a drought at any point in time. Our soils won't hold but an inch to an inch and a half of water in the top foot. So that's, that's just the way it is. That's what, you know. <laughs> Can't change that, so you nope, know no nope. we enjoy it we know what we do it so uh but it's it's uh we've seen this before, so things will will change over time and and we'll get a we'll get a break hopefully soon they they are promising cooler temperatures to this weekend and there is a front coming through um or we think it's coming through <laughs> if it doesn't fall out.
0: <laughs> well, but, it looked um, like you are still getting nighttime temperatures down 70 or a little less. Is that accurate? At least yeah, that helps a little that, bit. That's,
5: yes, that's, that's true. We've, we've, yes, we're, we're in the, the high 60s, uh, 65 plus to 70, 71, something like that, depending on which day we talk about. So that's tolerable, all right? You know, it's it's when you start getting those night temperatures that are – 80 degrees and the plant can't cool off, then that's that's pretty tough on that part of things. But uh, it, it, it's, it's way early in the season for us. Okay, we got a long season, so we're, we're, we're not giving up yet.
0: No, there's there's definitely a lot of time yet and and uh, a lot of chance yet to catch some rain. I, I like hearing that planting's coming along pretty decent. I guess that's one good thing when it's not raining, at least there's nothing holding you back from that other than uh, just fear that it's never going to rain.
5: Yeah, that's true. And and, and the other thing that we do have to be careful of is putting cotton in hot soils, um, it will burn off or it will run out of moisture. So we have to make sure that we've got enough pivot power to actually get it watered so we can get it up.
0: Yeah, that that is something, too. We we ended up with that out in the West here, too. A lot of guys were nervous putting stuff in, just that that things would dry out in that, that very dry, shallow soil. Well, Tom, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Stay tuned, we'll be right back.
2: Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions.
0: If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at AgPHD PhD we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an AgPHD PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com.
6: Your soil, your season, your edge. Make the new 3-point Soil Warrior Edge from Environmental Tillage Systems your strip tillage system. Because you don't get to choose the condition of your soil, the Soil Warrior Edge is engineered to handle whatever's in your fields. That same durable engineering goes the extra acre when that's what you have to do.
2: The new Soil Warrior Edge 3-point mounted strip till system. Learn more at SoilWarrior.com. Help keep the toughest, most resistant diseases out of your fields with Lucinto Fungicide from FMC. An exclusive novel premix of two modes of action delivers broad-spectrum control and a long-lasting protective residual. Tackle key diseases in corn, soybeans, wheat, peanuts, and sugar beets. Choose Lucento Fungicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or lucinto.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use.
0: Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com.
2: When it comes to commanding herbicide formulations, you know Newfarm. Newfarm brings you Panther SC, an animal when it comes to speed of control and long residual on a broad spectrum of tough broadleaf weeds like tail, palmer amaranth and waterhemp. And did we mention convenience? Panther SC works in pre-plant, pre-emerge and post-harvest systems and keeps your rotation options open. Newfarm and Panther SC, here to help.
0: back you're listening to ag phd radio it's a farmer friday here in the morton studio and we're taking your calls and questions here let's head back to the phone lines we've got michael down in kansas michael how's it going
7: hi uh things are going good we uh, we've been dry here and we finally got our rain that we needed badly
0: Excellent. That's, that's. Uh, I tell you what, when you're dry and that rain comes, it's really, really exciting. <laughs> did you get a good shot? Did you get a half inch? Did you get an inch? Uh, did you get even more? Uh, we, had an, we had an inch 41.
7: Wow, excellent. And, uh, it's been kind of frustrating the last few weeks. Uh, parts of Kansas have had five and seven inch rains, and uh, to the north of us, they've had huge rains. And we're kind of glad we didn't get them, but to pick up an inch 40 uh, was just about perfect, and we didn't get any of that hail, things like that. So uh, we're setting pretty good compared to some of our, uh, our neighbors, the county north or county south.
0: Sure, sure. Now talk to us about that. Now when you were dry, did you have seed that wasn't growing very well or plants that were just kind of sitting there? Did you have herbicides that weren't working? What What is the moisture going to do for you in the short term here?
7: We had adequate moisture this spring, nothing excessive, just adequate. So we had enough moisture in the soil to germinate the crops. Our biggest concern is the wheat crop, which is all headed out, done blooming and getting ready to make seed. And we were seeing the ground crack open on that stuff. Uh, no sign of severe stress, but uh, we were within days or hours of being in real trouble. Wow.
0: Yeah, not a good time of year to, to run out of gas. And uh, what do you think about the wheat crop now? With the moisture, are you, are you pretty confident? Do you think you're going to have something decent? Well,
7: I'm sure it'll be decent. Uh, This has kind of been a tale of two crops. We didn't have fall moisture to bring up the wheat crop if it was planted behind soybeans, for instance, or if it was planted late. And so the stuff didn't come up until we had rains in November, which is far too late for our country. Those people who were planting continuous wheat uh, or got it in really early, in September, had a rain and got their wheat crop up. So we weren't very optimistic. And uh, and what did come up was kind of ragged looking for uh, those of us planting behind soybeans. Uh, it's catching up with itself, but uh, I suspect we're going to have fields with, uh, with streaks of wheat that are uh, a week behind the stuff that's ready to harvest. Yeah. Uh, that said, the wheat looks is looking good. We have a decent number if not fantastic number of tillers and the heads seem to be large and uh, so I said this 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 rain is coming along just in time to uh, to make sure there's going to be some grain in there so yes we're cautiously optimistic in my case and I think there's going to be some fantastic uh, winter wheat around here.
0: Awesome, awesome. Now when I know in our area when we don't get the, the rains we don't get things growing in the fall. A lot of times we'll see some cheat grass or other things popping up late that we weren't able to catch with a with the burn down or an early herbicide application. Did you see any late weeds popping up then too with the delayed emergence on the wheat? Uh, not as much as
7: usual. It was just so darn dry. A lot of them didn't get a good start either. Okay. Uh, there was some came up in the come up in the spring, but uh, at least in our case, we, uh, we were able to hit uh, them in a early spring herbicide application. What wasn't caught in the fall
0: okay yeah that's you're you're exactly right if it, if it gets going in the fall and it really gets established get some tillers it's tough to take down if it's a a new little sprout that pops up in the spring seems like we can get those under control a little bit better was there anything that was tough this year yeah. with the with the kind of having just enough moisture did the weeds have a tougher time taking in the herbicide or anything or did everything go die pretty well
7: uh, The herbicides worked uh, about as good as you can expect. Of course, uh, weed control is pretty easy when you have a dry spring. Yeah. <laughs> if, if the if the weeds don't come up, uh, that is a big help. Uh, we have we had a, we had a, a, a modest amount of rain earlier in the month, and that sure brought on a big flush of weeds where we didn't have our pre emerge herbicides on yet, and uh, just. But it also means uh, when you're dry, you have a lot of time to get out there and do the spraying or or weed control, too. Sure. Uh, The only challenge has been it's been the windiest spring I've I've experienced in years. And uh, finding a few hours to squeeze in a spray job has been quite a challenge sometimes.
0: I thought it was always windy in Kansas.
7: Oh, yeah, it generally is. <laughs> but, uh, it' just kind of tiresome getting up at five in the morning just to see if you can spray or not yep. and uh, see what the wind is. And then finding that it's ripping right along and then do you go back to bed or do you just stay up and do something else?
0: <laughs> now, Yeah, now you're already awake, so, so now you got to do something else. Okay, yeah, ta- yeah. talk to us about soybeans now, I, I guess, and a kind of a follow-up question too. Is wheat your favorite crop and if not, what is?
7: Uh, wheat's been, I'm a Kansas farmer. Wheat's been the center of farming for me from the time I was a little kid. Uh, That said, uh, we are growing far more soybeans than we ever used to, and I've got to say that they've been paying most of my bills for the
0: last five years. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I know my dad, my dad, when uh, I was... Oh, I was going to say, Michael, when, I, when we were growing up uh, back in the 1980s, it wasn't exactly a, a great time to make lots of money. And I know uh, hogs were not dad's favorite thing, and it, it ended up being my least favorite thing, too, because that's what I had to do for chores every day. But uh, they were paying the bills, so even though we weren't big fans of them, it, it was paying the bills for us and keeping us going. So I know what you mean on these soybeans. I've talked to a lot of guys that that have uh, a wheat-soybean rotation. I've been saying, man, thank goodness for the soybeans beans lately that's been a good deal
7: yeah until this year when the wheat prices finally got good again I uh, I said it's been pretty tough but we need those the wheat for uh, for rotation to help combat a lot of the weeds that attack the soybeans corn grain sorghum and uh, to break that cycle and work on our polymer amaranth and all the other nasty things that grow out there and uh but it's nice to consider wheat something besides the cover crop you, know, you actually yeah. want to make money on it too. yeah, and so I'm happy to be within within sight of maybe doing so this year.
0: Sure. now did you you mentioned you've got more soybeans than you've had in the past Do you, did anything really change in your rotation? I know sorghum had a little bit of resurgence with some guys this year. Are you plenty anymore or oh, is yeah. that? The
7: sorghum is—we love planting it. That's been my second love through most of my life until I've—I've I've gotten my new passion for soybeans. Uh, the problem with the sorghum has been—we've been—we started growing more of it the last couple of years, and we're seeing the development of more problems with—with uh, with, well, with specifically shatter cane moving in, and we're going to have to substitute other crops, so we actually unfortunately had to back off a little bit on the sorghum makers this year. Yeah, that's... that's uh, an... It doesn't do any good if what comes up is, is 90% shatter cane.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's and for sure. So that's
7: what... another reason for a little bit more wheat in the rotation.
0: What do you see with these new um, new transgenic crops coming out in sorghum with, with different herbicide options there? Do you see some of those offering a, a chance for you to control these tough weeds? <sighs> I,
7: I'm a little skeptical on the uh, on the part where it controls the shatter cane.
0: Yeah,
7: I'm just figure it's going to probably crossbreed with the stuff, and two years later we're in trouble. Now that said, I'm cautiously optimistic and hope to see some of these traits pan out. Yes, I mean it can be a great crop here in the uh, in the central part of the country where it's semi-arid. I guess you could call it or verges on semi-arid. Yeah, it's. Uh, more reliable
0: than corn yeah there's
7: for cost less to put in
0: there's finally some money getting spent and I and I know for the sorghum guys they would tell me no there's always been money invested into the crop but it seems like there's been a little bit more lately and there's some some new hope for some things coming in sorghum in the near future here Uh, Michael we got to run it's been great talking to you though glad you got some rain hopefully it keeps coming
7: uh-huh. I'm enjoying my day off, too.
0: So. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, take care. Well deserved. Care. You bet. Thanks, Michael. Let's say to AG PhD Radio. We'll be right back.
6: Downtime during spraying can lead to huge yield losses. Keep rolling with the Pentair Hypro Force Field. This pump features a unique, self-regulated chamber that allows the pump to run dry while eliminating cracked seals, so you can spray longer and more reliably. Learn more at pentair.com slash hypro.
2: Stop losing money from your stored grain with the Endzone Fan Control System from Mfg. The Endzone monitors outside conditions to run your fans so your grain naturally reaches ideal temperature and humidity. For more information, visit farmshopmfg.com. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards. And that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Don't miss the
0: Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com.
2: Introducing the next generation of weed control in wheat, Wide AR Match Herbicide. Uh, I'm sorry, is this a typo? I mean, there's an AR in the middle of Wide Match.
1: Mm Mm-hmm, that's the name. It's called Wide R Match Herbicide.
2: Oh, my bad. From the top. Introducing Wide R Match from Corteva Agriscience. It's not a typo. It's an upgrade. The AR stands for Arlax Active for improved control of the toughest broadleaf weeds and wheat. Talk with your retailer to learn more.
0: If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at Ag PhD, we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an Ag PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees, too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers
2: Field Day, visit agphd.com.
0: Listening to Ag PhD Radio, thanks for joining us today. Been having a good chat with farmers across the country. Get another shot to go down to Kansas here. We've got Sam on with us. Sam, how's it going?
3: Good. How are you doing, Darren?
0: Pretty good. All right, so we just had Michael on in the state of Kansas, and he was thankful that they got an inch 40, but he said there were some areas that got some big rains and some areas that got some more than just rain and didn't really like that. How, how about for you and your farm?
3: I think we're pushing about 12 inches of rain in the last three weeks.
0: Oh my goodness.
3: So, uh, I've got pictures of some of my fields that are completely underwater at the moment. Fortunately, none of those have been planted. So, uh, I, I had some questions for you about those. Okay. And, uh, about, about fertilizer. Um, they're, uh, they're all soybean where I do corn, soybean rotation. And so, uh, Currently, my, my corn all has life jackets on right now, and they're, it's doing all right. But uh, my soybean field, what I wanted to ask was, this one soybean field of mine in particular was completely underwater twice. And uh, I did a dry application probably a month ago of uh, P&K, and I just wanted to get your input on how much of it do you think is still left? Okay. After, uh, is it after being underwater? Is
0: it Roly Hills? Is it flat ground? Does the water run off?
3: Uh, it it runs off in a few of the areas. Other than that, it it's fairly flat. Okay. It's all kind of floodplain type ground. Uh, this particular field.
0: And the uh, the dry fertilizer just laid on top, or was it tilled in at all?
3: Let, no, just laid on top.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's, that's a tough question. I've got some river bottom ground and I know what happens if I lay it on top and the the river comes out, I I lose stuff. And so I try, I try to avoid that on flat ground where you're not worried about the river. uh, Normally, yeah, the rain, oh, that's going to be a great thing. You're going to kind of drive some stuff down to the ground. Now, now K will move a little bit more than the P will, but it's going to be interesting to see what's left there. A lot of the stuff sure. that you lay on top of the ground, you're not really going to get to use a huge percentage of that for this year's crop. It's more for a soil right. build. So your your soil testing at the end then, of the year will tell you for sure. But I, I, yeah, boy, if the water didn't run off, I don't think you're going to have a whole lot of loss.
3: That's I, I figured most of the flat ground's probably okay. Uh, But like you said, it's, it's for a build. It's pretty decent ground. I I figure the low spots or the runoff spots will be the, the problem areas and they always are. But normally this area being underwater is a one in 10 year event. And, uh, this year we we've had it twice. So, (laughs) so it's one of those things.
0: Yeah. You know, I I was thinking about the 12 inches of rain too. And, and our soil, the water table is down so low. I I got asked this Mm -hmm. morning, I was on another radio show and they said, how much rain would you take right now if you could call the good Lord and he'd give you exactly what you wanted?" And I said, I'd take four inches, but I want it to come nice and slow and all soak in.
3: Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But 12 inches,
0: Uh, I don't know about 12.
3: Yeah. It's been spread out. I mean, it's funny as this sounds it's been spread out enough over the three or three and a half weeks that uh, the ground is just so saturated that if we get a quarter inch of rain I mean there's just deep puddles everywhere so it's it's not normal for us at all I'm in kind of east central Kansas and we get a lot more rain than obviously than uh, western Kansas and all that but uh, this is a little bit much for us and so all of our corn looks pretty decent other than in uh, terrace bottoms and, and those areas. So pretty happy about that, but we haven't even rolled the planter for soybeans yet. So we're all, we're all just kind of sitting here itching to go and waiting for it to dry up.
0: Hey, you mentioned the corn had life jackets on it. How big is the corn right now?
3: Uh, it's probably four to sit. Mine is probably about four to six inches. Okay. Uh, in height. So it's, it's not too bad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, I I guess I was just curious if it was still just barely going or whatnot. Have you, have you guys had much heat at all with this or has it been just cloudy and and cooler?
3: Um, it's been mixed. We we haven't really had any 80 degree days until this week before that it's been high sixties and seventies. And, uh, so this year I tried a few new things. And so all my corn ground, we did anhydrous, uh, which is the first time I've done that. And, uh, you know, it really doesn't look bad. Like I said, the terrace bottoms are wet, but uh, the rest of the fields where the, the drainage is pretty decent, they, they look pretty good. And uh, the corn there looks, you know, as good as in a, in a normal year so far.
0: Excellent. Excellent. What do yeah, you think? So what do you think about the anhydrous? I know on our farm we we got down to there were only two guys that would do it. One of them being Brian, and he's unreliable yeah. farm help, and the other guy <laughs> is Andy. And so if Andy wasn't going to do it, it just wasn't going to happen. And then if all the local suppliers have kind of gone away from it, so we'd have to drive quite a ways to get it. So we haven't been using that now for for a few years. But uh, what do you have a, a local supply there? Right. And and are you do are you the one putting it on?
3: So uh, we've got local – it's fairly common around here still. We've got a fair amount of local suppliers. Um, You know, I did it with – so I've got a friend of mine that uh, he does all the spraying and application of uh, spraying for chemical, you know, pesticides, herbicides, all that. But then he also applies the anhydrous. And then in exchange, I drive the uh, tender truck around and follow the sprayer uh, to help out and uh really it went smooth. I mean we you know had a little bit of maintenance ahead of time with hoses and stuff like that. uh I think it's his second year of directly applying himself and uh it really went fairly smooth. it was uneventful i uh, I was pretty happy with it, yeah, and considering what happened with all the prices of uh, everything this year it uh it worked out, so well, we got everything kind of set up in advance, and uh it really paid off.
0: I like how you how you uh, termed this uneventful. That's exactly what we would like. Yeah, we'd exactly, like everything just yeah. to go I mean, smooth.
3: Yeah, it's the corn planting season for us this year was one of those when we were done. It was like, wow, we're done already. I mean, it was the way you want it to happen. So uh, I can't can't complain at all.
0: Nope. That's a, that's a good down. And I see you tried a few new things and hydrus being one of them. Did you make some equipment yep. changes or what else was, was new and different for you?
3: Um, so the, one of the, in regards to planting and applications, stuff like that, I, uh, bought my first kind of entry level piece of guidance equipment, uh, you know, light bar and GPS and all that. Awesome. And, uh, and, and kind of, taking some of your, some of you and your brother's advice there about doing some of the jobs that instead of contracting them out, try doing them yourself and, and save that money. And so, uh, so I invested in the guidance and uh, did all my own, uh, dry application. And then, uh, I got that, you know, the accuracy level enough that I could use it for planting if I wanted, I haven't, I haven't done that yet, but, uh, uh, so that's been a a little bit of a step change and I really like it so far. And, and, uh, I do a lot of hay. So, uh, and fertilize a lot of brome ground, stuff like that. So the guidance really kind of helped there in uh, saving some money with the uh, application fees and all that. And uh, so that was one thing. And then the other was, uh, it's new to us. It's a lease return, a higher horsepower tractor, just, uh, give us more capability and wider tools and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, decrease the amount of time we spend in the field.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So that's awesome. Well, I like, yeah, uh, like when you mentioned the good. hay, the hay and the brome ground, uh, how did that hold up with this rain? Is that a good thing there?
3: Oh yeah. Uh, the, we have uh brome and native prairie grass, so we haven't, it's been kind of a cool spring. So the, uh, native prairie grass seems to be a little slow getting started, but the brome is looking wonderful and I'm knocking on wood as we speak. It uh, just needs to make it here another month, and we'll uh, get it rolled up in bales. So uh, it's it's looking real good.
0: Outstanding. That's actually worth some money this year, too, which is a great thing. Oh,
3: yeah, absolutely.
0: Yep, absolutely. Awesome. Well, good talking to you, Sam. Really, yeah. appreciate, uh, really appreciate hearing from you. Hopefully you get some sunshine and, and dry things out. We'll oh, take we'll some take extra it. rain. If you guys have extra rain, just, uh, just send it north. You. Yeah, we'll trade you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, sounds great. Thanks, hey, Sam. thank you. You bet.
3: Yep, keep up the good work.
0: Oh, thanks. Thanks. Listening to Ag PhD radio and yeah, it's fun. It's fun chatting with other growers and it seems like whenever you think, oh man, we've got it tough, uh, 12 inches of rain in the last three weeks. Okay. Okay. That, that would be really tough. It's a lot of times harder when you've got too much of something versus not quite enough, but uh, certainly a lot of challenges this growing season. We'll, we'll jump back on the phone lines right after this.
2: Maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash Howler to learn more.
0: If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at AgPHD we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an AgPHD PhD Young Farmer's Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmer's Field Day, visit agphd.com.
2: A history of success means proven performance, but let's call performance what it is, profitability. And boosting yours, no matter what the season brings, is the goal of DeKalb Brand Corn. Backed by exclusive genetics, whole farm solutions, and unmatched dealer support, let nothing shake your perseverance. Ask your dealer how DeKalb Brand Corn can help you realize a future of performance. Always read and follow IRM where applicable, grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions.
0: If you're looking to get the most out of your foliar nutrition and fungicide programs, ask your ag retailer about Nutex EDA from Sipcam Agro. Nutex EDA has been proven to increase foliar micronutrient tissue levels and maintain those levels for an extended period of time. When tank mixed with fungicides, Nutex EDA helps support plant health resulting in higher quality and yields. Nutex EDA is an affordable and effective solution that should be part of every grower's high yield toolbox. back you're listening to ag phd radio it's been fun catching up with farmers all around get another one on with us right now we got james down in nebraska james how's it going
1: oh i tell you it's a cold kind of scouting day i wish i had brought my car heart this morning
0: <laughs> you know it's funny because i uh, i've got a pickup and i've got Uh, A Dodge pickup and I've got Ram boxes on the side, which has been great because I carry so much extra stuff with me just in case I've always got a coat. I still have a stocking hat and thick gloves along too. And it looks like I'm going to need it here the next few days. So I know exactly what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, not a very good GDU day.
0: No, no, it sure isn't. And, you know, it, it's just one of those things. It feels like it is so late in the year, and I get that it's June next week, but we just got in the field so early this year that it seems like forever ago when we started planting, and, and we still have short crops. So it's it's kind of unusual.
1: Yeah. All
0: right, so what are you seeing out there? I, I understand you're seeing starting to see a little intervenal striping in plants.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, there was some, uh, but yeah, my specific question was after I sprayed the herbicide, I sprayed Harness Max and Atrazine and Roundup Power Max, and then I added some uh, 10% liquid boron, about a pint of that with it, and also had a biological product from BioDyne. Um, and I noticed it definitely yellowed the corn and it looks like there was more interveinal striping. And I didn't know if any of that could have to do with adding boron to the herbicide if it got too hot or something or I, any I, ideas on that.
0: I don't know that it's necessarily the boron. It could just be the roundup too. It, was it about a quart of roundup or what were you using? 32, 22? Uh,
1: 22 ounces. Okay.
0: Yeah, it isn't a super high and rate. It had but... the
1: water right. Water right also in there.
0: Okay. Uh, it's not a super high rate of Roundup, but sometimes we do see a, a little bit of yellowing, at least for the first few days after a Roundup application, just as the plant tries to work that through. The, the plant doesn't actually metabolize the Roundup, it just compartmentalizes it, so it, it pushes it down into the root system, and when you aren't really growing very fast, that can sometimes be a problem. Um, we've, we've been utilizing, there's one patented safener for Roundup called Grow, and it's basically just PGRs that, that help the plant continue growing even after that Roundup application. So that could be it. But you also could be seeing, due to cooler weather, you could be seeing just a limited uptake of things like iron or sulfur or possibly even zinc. Uh, you could do a plant tissue test and see if you notice anything in that, because if it's on the newest leaves it's typically iron sulfur or zinc if it's on the lower leaves on the plant and it's striping it could be magnesium
1: yeah and i just had applied monday ams got 40 hundredths of rain spray tuesday evening got half an inch it was warm the next day and then yesterday was cold okay, okay. So that was the weather pattern but okay anyways.
0: you know thinking about that magnesium with cold weather our plants have a tough time pulling magnesium up just like in our pastures we'll always be putting something out there for the cattle so we don't have grass tetany which is just a shortage of magnesium it could be that as well just that we need some sunshine
1: yeah and it's a uh, stage like v2 and It's going to v3 if it's not completely green at v3 i'm probably already losing some yield potential aren't i on that
0: well i I think that we, we definitely could be a little bit. I I don't think that we would say, oh, I'm going to choose something not looking awesome <laughs> and and think I'm going to get better yield with that. So I, I don't doubt it at all. We've got at least 700 bushel potential. So how much are you losing? Are you now down to 600 bushel potential in your field? Are we already down to 400 bushel potential? I'm not sure. But I, I kind of think of it that way because – Heck, we know David Hewlett's had 700 bushel corn. Now, not like a whole field or anything, but parts of the field. And if you can raise that much and you've got that much potential, how do we protect as much as we can? And right now, like you say, V2 into V3, we're already starting to determine that ear just a little bit anyway. And if we can have everything being in a great spot, that's a better situation to be in, no doubt about that.
1: Yeah, I don't suspect it will grow very fast the next couple of days, but anyway, so.
0: Yeah, just do everything we can to, to reduce stress. And, and I know right now a lot of sprayers in this geography are shut off because you know, it's like, it's probably not going to work anyway. It's too cold. And, and even if it wasn't too cold, it's too windy. So we we run into that kind of situation from time to time. We We just need some sunshine and some heat right now as much as anything.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, two days ago I looked it up, I think planted April twenty eighth, it was like three hundred and fifty GDUs.
0: Wow. So. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, it's it's it, honestly it's even amazing it's that much. It, it seems like we haven't hardly accumulated any, but uh but yeah, it's it's gonna turn now and, and you said your moisture situation's okay at this point.
1: Uh yeah, we had uh we were in a really bad drought um in uh last year. Uh, almost half the yield of normal. Um, but, uh, we got 12 inches of moisture after harvest and now we've been catching small, you know, 30 to 50 hundredth rains and it's muddy out here. So, um, we have enough for now. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Now we just need the heat and we need the sunshine. That's for sure. Uh, Yep. Awesome. Well, James, if you end up pulling a plant tissue test or anything else, if you see anything super unusual, uh, let us know. We'd love to love to see what's going on.
1: Okay. Thank you. All
0: right. Thanks. Really appreciate it, James. Let's head out to Oregon. We've got Hunter with us right now. Hunter, I know it's been dry in Oregon too. Is that situation turning around yet?
6: Uh, no, not for us. It's still very dry.
0: So, okay, talk to us just a little bit. What part of Oregon are you in, and, and what are crops looking like that are out there?
6: Uh, so we're south-central Oregon on the east side, so we're on the drier side, but it's been dry everywhere. And, yeah, we probably haven't had an inch of rain of precipitation probably since last fall.
0: wow. Wow. Yeah, that's not good. Okay, so when I think about Oregon, I think rainy and cloudy a lot, but uh, not getting any of that. So is it sunny most days, or are you still getting some clouds?
6: Um, yeah, I mean, it's been pretty nice through May. We've got a few small showers that really haven't amounted to much, probably only 20 hundredths or something. So, yeah, not not enough to make much difference, but we're all irrigated, so I mean all of our pivots are pretty much running nonstop right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess if you've got unlimited water and you've got sunshine, that's, that's not a bad thing. Uh, do, do things look decent? All, all things, uh, weighed out there.
2: Yeah.
6: Yeah. I mean, all our, all our fields look pretty good. Alfalfa's is growing good. Um, it's probably right on schedule. It's been cool this last week, so it's kind of slowed down growing. But it's supposed to uh, warm up from today on to, into next week, so I'm sure it's going to start growing
0: pretty quick now. You bet. Yeah, a lot of growers in our area are taking their first cutting of alfalfa right now. How far are you guys along with the alfalfa process?
6: Uh, so we will probably start first, depending on how it grows the next couple of weeks. But you know, between the 10th and 15th of uh, June so I'm guessing by the 15th we should be started hopefully.
0: Okay now for for our geography here in the the western Corn Belt we have a lot of alfalfa weevil larvae that we see towards the end of that first cutting do you guys have that pest and and if so what do you do to to deal with that?
6: Um, So we don't really have a bad problem with weevils in our area but uh, I do know it is common in other areas nearby. Uh, we just don't seem to luckily have weevils as bad. Um, we do we have had some, you know, we do have plenty of aphids, and a lot of times they're not a problem. But sometimes in the past we have had to, uh, you know, put some insecticide through the pivot on a few fields.
0: Sure, sure.
6: they were really bad, but but that's been the main main problem is just the aphids so far.
0: Yep. Yep, and they can be a big one. There's no doubt about that. Well, Hunter, hopefully uh, hopefully the rains start for you guys. So you don't have to irrigate quite so much, and and uh, like you say, when you get this warm up, hopefully it gets growing a little bit better. Thanks for the call today. Really appreciate talking to you. Yep,
6: good talking to you.
0: Got a number of questions that came in that we didn't get to today, so we'll try to to dig back into the mailbag on Monday and catch a few more. But if you ever have an agronomic question for us, radio at agphd.com is the place to send it. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.